All right, welcome back to what's going to be the first interview on this iteration of the USL show. I am joined by a very special guest, someone who is really, really interesting, really, really fun to research and really cool project. He is a part of Project 510, not 510. It is 510 out of the Oakland Roots camp. This is a man that hails from Swansea Wells. I'm sure he's the biggest Cardiff uh, City fan in the world. Um, judging by the left, that was a big resounding no. I'm, of course, being joined by uh, Michael Hannon, also known as Coach Mikey. How are you doing, Coach? I'm good. How are you, bud? I'm doing fantastic. So I'm taking him a little bit wrong on the Cardiff comment, huh? Yeah. Well, just a little <laughs> bit wrong. Just a little bit. So... I I've did a little bit of research on just you because I've heard your name floated around from time to time, but most of the time, whenever I hear of names of coaches, I'm like, oh, I, I know them from this college, this university, so on and so forth. But I've heard your name, but I couldn't find any immediate U.S. ties. And whenever mm -hmm. I started researching you, you started coaching before most, before like even people that you're working with day to day can drive there yeah um you started coaching at 16 years old is that right yeah so i um i had a little bit of a luxury when i was in um at what we call college which is pretty much the end of your high school um i worked i studied in the sports department and uh i had the luxury of working with two lecturers or professors what you would call who worked at swansea city as academy um they also worked at arsenal soccer school so it's something that i took a keen interest in and they said come along i mean start young get a lot of experience so to be honest i owe a lot of a lot of my future career to them because they got me in early within a really good environment i think the first time i was with swansea city um was the time when roberto martinez was there um so it was a really interesting and, and fun time to learn my my craft so to speak so you're over there with swansea and the arsenal uh soccer schools or football schools which i've tried that's such a foreign concept i guess it's because it's kind of a mix of what we would call an academy team but not really it's almost kind of like a uh, kind of like a football camp almost yeah yeah yeah, yeah for sure so what uh because, I mean, Arsenal and Swansea, those are two massive names that even the most brand-new fans of the sport here in the U.S. have heard of. What exactly is a soccer camp, a football camp, if you will? So, in terms of the Arsenal soccer schools being such an established Premier League team, right, similar to the Manchester United, to the world, etc., these big-name clubs go into different areas and set up these schools and it's more of a somewhat what you would call an identification, right? If there's someone who's really good, for example, Aaron Ramsey went from Cardiff and he was up in Arsenal. Do you know what I mean? Um, Gareth Bale went from Cardiff to Southampton. So uh, it's another way to possibly scout players. Um, in terms of what is a soccer camp, it's just simply it depends on, on what you're providing, right? You have your typical summer camp, which is for every range of ability um that provides more fun and some technical aspects and then you may have like a residential camp which is probably catered to the more committed athletes and then you've got collegiate you you name it there's a camp for everything these days so that, that's pretty much the basis of it all so we'll come back to your upbringing as a coach but i'm kind of curious these identification camps if you will mm -hmm. are is that something that you guys uh, really utilized with project 510 or is that like how does how does the recruitment process work for project so we don't necessarily do camp so to speak um so we have a couple of people who we trust within the the bay area um to bring us some talent and identify talent for us and, and make us aware um we also have nana who is on the staff, who is one of the main guys for the player personnel. Um, and he spends a lot of time out there scouting. And then typical route of going to 
your surf cup events, your all these top tournaments um, locally or outside and seeing what talent's there. But that, that ranges um, because obviously we want to provide for the immediate area. So one, I'm a director of a club in the local area, so I can identify a lot there through different leagues. Um, and my assistant coaches work, one works within the Alameda County, um, which is close to the Oakland area. Um, so we can recruit there. And there's also something this year that we are sort of opening training pools where we will invite a bunch of younger talent in and identify talent that way as well. So when you're, you mentioned being, you know, the sporting director of a local club as well. Mm -hmm. um, if you're going against, I mean, obviously, you know, the kids that are on your team, you've, mm -hmm. you've been around those kids and you know, which ones are talent through practice through watching the matches. If you see someone, uh, you know, someone say 15 year old uh, kid or something playing for another team, another Academy or another club, the, and you're like that, you know, that guy, that girl has real potential. They have, they have it. How do you go about getting them to join project uh, 510? Do you talk to their parents? Do you talk to your support staff, your assistant coaches? Who do you go through? So this is where a key part of um, myself and Jordan Farrell, the technical director, it's about building relationships with the, the local clubs and community that surround us, right? So if we do identify Bob, whoever his name is, we would connect with the director first, right? Because one thing we are big on is keeping players within their own environment while trying to provide professional opportunities. Um, there's a lot, not just in this country, but in all over Europe, there are very young players traveling long ways when they're wasting two or three hours in a car every night where they could just drive down the road and be on the field right yeah um so what we want to do is say hey stay with your local club be committed to your sort of whatever you're striving for and we will provide that professional opportunity um so that's something that we're key on trying to build relationships keep people within their local club while still trying to provide that professional opportunity um and obviously, if it gets to a stage where this 16-year-old, 17-year-old really has true potential, um, for example, Javi Mariona, um, who made an appearance for the first team, um, that's where we have a serious conversation with both club and family to see what is the best pathway, right? And for the most part, these directors in the area are very good with us and are looking out for the best interest of the player, right? So it's been a good start so far because we really started pushing it last season. Um, and now we're, this season, myself, Jordan, Nana, are really going to strive forward to, to make this something that's a bigger part of what we're trying to achieve. So this is kind of, I guess, based on recruiting, sort of not. I mean, if, you know, for people who are just listening to the podcast version of this, I highly recommend you go into YouTube just to see um, what Coach Mikey is in right now. I mean, that is a nice pullover. I mean, it the Project One, you know, Five One Zero is a it's a wonderful logo. I mean, the Oakland roots are known around the U.S. and even the world of just looking nice. How much does you know, kind of being swagged out, being a little bit drippy? You know, how much does that really kind of go to the kids where it's like? not only is it playing for a brand like Oakland roots, but for a lot of the kids it is, Oh, I have standard Adidas red uh, kit on today. And it's just a standard Adidas red kit. And then you get something nice like the uh, you know, the Puma stuff that project uh, 510 has, you know, is that any kind of the recruitment or just a small part of it? Yeah, I don't, I think if it's always great to be a part of something that's connected to a professional organization, right? Um, and again, the whole team behind all the, the marketing and the branding and the Oakland brand and what they're about is second to none. There's not much that competes with it that I've seen, and that's not me being biased. You can ask around the league, you can ask anywhere in the Bay Area, right? Um, 
they're very well known for their attire, their clothing lines and all this stuff. Um, so they do a fantastic job there. I think as a 16, 15, 16, 17 year old, oh, I'm going to play with the roots or whatever. Is that an attraction? For sure. Um, is it always nice to wear the branding clothing? For sure. But from a coach, um, and I can't speak for others, but from my perspective, if the player is only interested in wearing the brand or trying to look good, they're not really in it for the right reasons, right? Um, feel good, play good for sure. But the mentality should be, I'm here to develop, get better and go and win championships with the Oakland Roots in the future, right? It's not, if he just turns up to the field and he's like, hey coach, look what I'm wearing. Look how good I look. I'm like, okay, like good job. But now we're <laughs> focused on the field, you know what I mean? So I think for sure, it, does it feel good? Yes, but is it the main focus? Not at all, right? They, there's so many aspects to the, the four pillars of technical, tactical, physical, mental, all those aspects. and. Yeah, just coming down to are they a good person? Do they have good characteristics? Because that's another thing, right? Are you are you good for the environment? Are you are you a culture champion, not a culture killer? That's that's a key thing. See, this is where I I'm just being outed as much more materialistic than the average, I guess, fifteen year old, and it has absolutely nothing to do with that. I am horrible at soccer, and I'd have no chance to play with Project Five One Zero anyway. That's beyond the point. But you mentioned something there at the end that I really wanted to pick, that I wanted to talk about. And it's kind of what is, what's the main project point or what is the balance that you have to strike between human versus player development? How do you develop the person and develop the player at the same time? Is that a balance that you have to strike from, you know, day in, day out? Or is it something that, like you said, you find the good people first and then like find the good human beings first and then they are also good soccer players? No, that's a, it's a great question. And I think it's something that coaches a challenge with daily, right? Because it's hard to, the reality is when you're in an environment, which is, it is about development, but you have to have a winning mentality because if you go from a, how you say, a reserve pool into an elite level pool where these guys are battling day in and day out to keep their jobs and you know I mean? bring in the money and put food on their table for their families, their mentality is at all costs is win, 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 right? Um, so it's important that, and I think it's a word that some people get scared of, the winning part, but you need to have that competitive edge to get to the top for sure. Um, but being a part of this organization, especially, it's very important that we, I think the word would be nurture and guide players to understand the sort of fine margins of carry, be confident, right? For sure, be confident. And and some players, it's okay. Like you look at Ronaldo. He, sometimes people look at him and think, oh, he's a bit cocky, he's this, but he's an elite performer, right? He has an elite mentality and there's a reason why he's at the top. And he carries himself a little bit differently from the way Messi carries himself. So it's, it's very managing the people, understanding their backgrounds, understanding their family environment. So for me, it's just when we arrive at the field asking I have a luxury of assistance, so they are out there. They already know what's going on. As we have weekly meetings, so they are out there setting up and making sure everything is ready for a, a good training session. And it's sort of a time where I connect with people. How's your day going? If they are younger players, how is how was school today? Right, what trying to understand how their day has gone and how it may affect the session. Right, um, when we've got older players, they might be coming from work. How was your day at work? Was it a tough day? Was it a good day? And then you can understand who you can really push to the boundary and who you might need to be a little bit more careful with in that day. So it's, it's sort of finding that right balance, but never letting go of these players understanding why they're here. And sort of once you're sort of inside the white lines, you're there to compete and, and bring your all and and do what's best for the individual, which collectively makes the best team. Do you know what I mean? 
So for Project 510, what what is exactly the criteria? What are you looking for? Are you looking for a certain player from a certain socioeconomic status? Are you looking for a certain age range? Are you obviously looking for talented players? What all goes into the criteria of you really scouting a player and you trying to recruit them to join you? Yeah, I think a key part, again, we have a lot of people out there who are bringing us these players um, and building the relationships with the local clubs. Um, for us, the key is obviously the 510 area, right? Um, if you're unfamiliar with that, it's pretty much East, sort of East Bay location. So that's the primary target to try and get players in. Um, and then we sort of, it's Bay Area and then further afield, right? Um, so that's just primary if there's someone who's out of state or maybe in Southern California uh, that is an exceptional talent, then that's something that Jordan usually steps up and deals with as a technical director. Uh, in terms of what we're looking for, um, we, all, we have a, a database system where we have like a scoring system on all these different things. We look at players insight, which is pretty much their soccer IQ and how they read the game. Are they just running around where they find in the right moments to run instead of, you know what I mean? Um, technical ability, obviously in the details, um, athletic pro physical profile is always one. And then the mentality, how do they react to feedback? How are they interacting with their teammates? So on and so forth, right? So I don't think there's any sort of secret source from anybody else who's probably doing it out there right i think the there's so much information on the internet these days and pretty much aligns with the four key characteristics with its physical technical tactical psychosocial right all these sort of key components um is what you really break down to but i think what we do is when we identify players and we see where they are and they come into our training environment the more time we get with them and the more data input we do that we can collect over a season, it sort of gives us a, a better profile of do they have the first team potential or what areas do they need to work on to get to the first team. Um, or sometimes, unfortunately, it's they might not be ready or they might not have the potential and that's where the tough part of the job comes in and we have to be honest and say right now it's it's not for you. So when you say you have to have those tough conversations, mm -hmm. is this, are these with people who are already project, a part of Project 510 and you just say, hey, you're not ready yet. We'll, we might have a spot for you later on. Or is it like one, maybe it is truly, they're kind of like trying out for the team and you say, hey, come back next year. You might have it. You know, who are the people that you are either turning away or letting go, I guess? Uh, it's, a, it's a mixture, right? Because we play USL2 and we also play in another league um, in, when the USL2 is done. So sometimes it's just older guys who are just going to hurt the environment and we just have to be honest early doors. Um, if it's a younger player, they usually get more time. Um, and for the most part, younger players are identified to come into the environment versus just opening the door and letting every man and his dog in. Um, so it's younger people usually get a little bit more time and we, and we develop them, but there's no sort of, I wouldn't say, there's no like something on a document that says we do it to these people, right? It, it's very sort of situational of, of what the, the current climate is. Cause we've also got college guys that come in over the summer as well. So if I was to give you a broad answer, it's sometimes it's younger guys, sometimes it's college guys, sometimes it's the guys who are past college. So you, you've mentioned older, older guys. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that your version of older guys is probably not the same as what the roots are dealing with, huh? Yeah. These I mean, old, technically older guys are guys who are probably out of college and beyond, which could be like a 23 year old, which I know is not in the, in the landscape of old, but in hindsight, if they're not doing much, if they haven't been drafted or if they haven't found any USL platform, 
by then. Do you know I mean it's it's not a never, but it's also a very tough step to continue to go. Do you know what I mean? So I'm guessing me, a 22 year old who hasn't played since high school, I'm looking at my last year of being ready, huh? Yeah, you bet. You bet. Well, I'll I'll get to work on. I'll send you my film. I I'll warn you. Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you my scouting report. I can stop almost every shot when it comes to playing goalkeeper. The issue is I will never hang on to it. And if you're looking for me to kick it long, can't kick it further than 15 yards, we are man sitting this thing all day long. I'm just going to give you the scouting report now. So I will, maybe we can get you involved in a charity match or something. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I, whenever I was looking up a lot of this stuff as well, it was Project Up, I will know, was based on Project 40 by Nike. Um, which was really meant to build up uh, the U.S. men's national team, which produced really good players like Demarcus Beasley, who is, I believe, the owner of another USL League Two team, um, and Tim Howard, who is a partial owner of um, Memphis 901, also known for being pretty good at soccer. Um, what way are you guys modeling your your academy after that is it purely off the branding or is it truly something within the inner workings of the team and the project itself can you rephrase that question a little bit so i can get a better understanding are you saying uh, are we relying on are you asking basically are we relying on the oakland roots brand to make us something or is project 510 something that we are working strongly on to develop players or get players in okay so whenever i was looking it up the project 510 was mm -hmm. based on project uh project 40 by nike okay which produced a lot of great talent mm -hmm. is when it says it is based on is it truly based on like the inner workings of project 40 or is it more or less just kind of based on the branding of it if that makes sense. I, yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. Um, I think it's it's the idea, right? It's I sort of what you said. They created it to bring in a lot of good talent and develop talent and push them onto the national team, right? So we are trying to do the same thing with the same idea, right? It's an idea that they saw and it's something that they thought, oh, we could do this. So that's what we are trying to do. And we've already had success with it, right? I mean, we had three guys in our training environment last year, two played, um, all played and got called up with El Salvador's U20 national team, right? Um, we had two 14-year-olds play in our league last year um, who stepped up. So I would say that we probably honestly had maybe 15 or so players that were under the age of 18 that made appearances last year some of the rosters were six or seven players that were under the age of 18 with some 23 4 25 year olds who had experience maybe playing in nisa um, who were very good role models for the players to look up to and also work with um, so that was a good key balance but I think to answer your question they took they saw the idea they thought what a great idea they embraced the idea put their own little spin on it and now we've already in the first year done a lot of work of producing and like I said there was two 14 year olds one 15 year old maybe two or three 16 year olds the rest 18 19 year olds that are already slowly coming through and we also had the luxury of young Javi making his uh, appearance at 16 within a USL game which is essentially the goal Whenever you have players, obviously play with the senior team, get in with the with get in, you know, on an actual match and with the first team, you know, that's obviously huge. But whenever you get, you know, those young players, the 14 year olds, the U20 call ups, do you guys kind of go to your to your back offices, you know, whenever the players aren't around and just have like a mini party because you're like, we did it. It was because I will be. I would just be having just the time of my life knowing that I helped someone 
really live out a dream at some stage. And obviously that's not the final goal, but it's definitely a key part of it. No, listen, I think it's, is it something that we are very proud of for sure. Um, But we have also got to treat it as if it's our everyday life, right? It's uh, it for us, it's gotta be, it's gotta be something that's natural because we can't get excited. And, And another thing is they've got cold up and it's a good experience, but, they're still not consistently with the first team and that's a goal right once a player is consistently in a first team roster whether they're sitting on the bench or in the squad once they reach that level of consistency that's where we've we've done something truly right and then hopefully they if they're that good they're they have the ability to maybe take an even further step and that's when we've truly achieved what we're looking for right but I listen, I've been in many academies and environments and these kids get called in and out of national team camps and they make appearances in these certain leagues because there's other clubs in the leagues that had some youngsters as well. And it happens. So right now it's somewhat of a, a normal thing. We, we are doing some good work for sure. Um, but the goal is they need to be consistently within the first team environment and succeed in. Once they do that, then... I mean, maybe we'll pop open the lemonade, but until then, it's, uh, <laughs> until then, it's we've got to continue to grind. We've got to continue to keep working with these players and making sure they're they're achieving what what they came into the environment for and why we are here. So let's spin this a little bit to to League Two. Mm-hmm. You are, I mean, the USL League Two, formerly the PDL. Uh, professional development league you know it that whole sort you're dealing with a lot of types of players like you said you're dealing with you're dealing with sometimes 14 year olds you're dealing with kids who are dealing you're working with kids who are who are coming from college who are just out of they're out of their college season they have really nothing else to do and they want to get better you're working with people who are full-on adults who you know, maybe are, aren't going to be playing at a much higher level, but they're good enough to play for you. And they're good locker room guys. How do you deal with that wide of an age range and that many different kinds of cultures and then putting them out there to compete? Because in the end of the day, development's awesome, but you're also there to win some games. How do you put it all together to win those matches? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think, listen, I, I think you touched on it a little bit there in terms of, one, when we're bringing people into our environment, obviously we're, we're analyzing and sort of assessing their soccer performances. Um, but like we touched on earlier, having conversations with people, do they understand the environment? Do they understand the Oakland roots? Because essentially, if you're coming to play for us, you're representing the brand, so to speak, and anything they do affects what we're about so players understanding all these things is, is a key thing um for example we have a couple of guys who are on the older end but are great role models and maybe from oakland or nearby oakland that really understand and embrace what we're about right so those types of guys who are not only about that but are good soccer players and also want what's best for the younger guys are key to lead the culture, right? So I think that's key. The college guys, the college guys can be probably the more challenging part because we don't see them as much. And then they come into the environment for a short span of time. So again, that's something that we rely and have conversations with college coaches. So example, in our area, I would have conversations with Santa Clara, Cal, Stanford, San Jose State, USF, St. Mary's, et cetera, et cetera. And really get an understanding of is the player in right for our environment. And we go really from a, a trust factor then, right? And when they come in, we, we hope it works out. Um, and for the most part, the college guys are from the area because they're coming back from whatever school they're in. Um, for example, we have a guy called Quinn who plays at Michigan and in the summer he comes back and, and plays with us, right? So he also understands the Bay Area landscape as well. So balancing that all out, um, 
and basically I think what brings it together is one is obviously having the talent two everybody understanding what we're about the principles in terms of what we're about the way we play the values we carry um, and when you tie that all together and create a good culture hopefully the ball ends up in the back of the net if you want to win the games right um, but soccer can be a cruel game as we all know um, but yeah it's that's pretty much the main part of identifying their characteristics and making them buy into what we're trying to do and uh, hopefully the end result comes up from an outsider who I had heard of the Oakland Roots before they joined the USL, you know, when they were with uh, Nisa and all that kind of stuff. But the thing that precedes the Oakland Roots was not exactly was not the play on the field, but really the impact that the Roots have off the pitch. The whole everybody kind of knows what they stand for socially and what the goals are of the club of not just putting on a quality product, which, you know, seeing last year with the USL championship season, they know how to do. It's also making sure that each person stands for what they believe for someone who's not from Oakland or who is not familiar with the root story. How do you explain that to someone who's looking to join a 510 and say, listen, you're doing you're playing for more than just the badge you're playing for more than just your career you're playing for a lot of ideals and a lot of beliefs right now that are bigger than just you and me yeah no that's a that's a great question and it's it's for me the the way to answer that especially being from swansea right is that swansea is very I don't want to say it's similar to Oakland in the sense of we carry similar values, right? I come from a hard working background family that I understand what it's about to be a part of a small town city. And you know how soccer fans are back in the UK. They're, they're very passionate about their club. And as you mentioned, Cardiff, it made me, it made me grimmer a little bit. Um, so Sorry. understanding the, understanding what you're representing right um and sort of giving back to the local community and again i'm a director of a club that is very similar to oakland as well and we're very community community orientated and trying to give back to the community trying to support people who are in certain struggles um so on and so forth right and i think another key thing for me is two of my assistants uh one is from alameda which is obviously on the doorstep and where the roots train um and one is from east bay area as well so those two also have a really good understanding so sometimes it's not just about myself it's about bringing in the right support staff to support you um and also i've had the ability to sit down with jordan sit down with steve the chairman right sit down with some local players who we'll have conversations, we'll make sure you have a good understanding of what the club is about and what they're trying to achieve. And I think to, to sum it up, I think I come from a very similar background in terms of working hard, striving for something, being very supportive of your neighbor, um, trying to embrace the local community. And, and then obviously the modern day now there's a lot of challenges that are being addressed and that's where the Oakland roots are doing very well which is fantastic um and especially a guy being married to uh someone who is not the same culture as myself and not the same race I also have to embrace that myself and understand that the struggles that sometimes may occur to her being from a an Asian background right so it's it's definitely day in day out i continue to learn and i continue to embrace what the culture is about so i'm not gonna sit here and say i understand everything um but i'd like to think i have some understanding of what people are looking for and, and where the roots are looking to help out and i'm always the first to hold up my hand and say whatever you want me to be a part of how can i help and support and i think that's the key part of being uh, being part of the oakland roots is are you open-minded? Are you about change? And are you willing to step up when change needs to happen? And I think that's, that's probably why I'm here. How important is it to you as a coach to show that, show that you're 
the this basically the students of the game that you're working with how important is it to you and to them that you make it obvious that you're still taking the time to learn more not only about the game but as you said constantly evolving the way that you think about the community around you and learn about the community that surrounds you how important is it for you to make that very transparent to the players yeah i think for i think in short if players see that you have a fixed mindset and you're not open to conversation or you're not open to sort of, I personally feel that you have to show some vulnerability because it, that opens up for you to be approachable, right? And you, as a coach, you need to be approachable because many different people are going through different situations. Um, so I think to answer your question, it's, it's very important. If you're a fixed mindset, people will shut down won't bother to open up to you, won't bother to approach you if they have issues. And what that really does is it connect, it causes a disconnect and a distance between you and your players. And then there's no way that you can build together, right? So I, to answer your question, I think it's very important, yeah. So I've had, granted, I don't have the near coaching experience that you do, obviously, mm-hmm. but I was working with some uh, kids last year high school high school players and it's really interesting learning the difference between certain people for for me personally i come from an education background i'm in school to be a teacher Mm -hmm. and i understand that you kind of have to teach different for different people but i didn't really make that connect to soccer players as well and I was just kind of treating everybody the same. I'm like, come on, let's go. You're doing great. Let's come on. Let's go to this drill, this drill, this drill. And I would give little bits of feedback here and there. And I granted, I've never had someone ask me this bluntly, but one kid just told me, he was like, Hey, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to listen to you until you get in my face and scream at me. Like, that's just how I learn. Obviously most people don't just tell you that, but do you kind of identify those people of like, I need to, I need to be a little bit more, not soft, but that's not a good word, but basically be a little bit more relaxed in the way that you deliver feedback versus, you know, getting in someone's face and telling them do this, this, and this. And they're just like, yeah, now I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go do the thing that you asked of me. Do you have to do that? Or do you just kind of have one style that you're like, this works for me. It works for everybody else. Let's do the thing. No, I think this is this is the key component to coaching, right? I think a lot of people will get caught up in X's and O's, but a lot of it is about the man management and understanding your players, and it's important that you have a good support staff around you. Um, like I touched on earlier, having initial conversations before they come into practice. There might be a person that can handle being spoken to in that manner, um, but they might have a tough day. So you speak to them in that manner and they could explode, right? So it's important, one, to understand how they are feeling within that moment and in that day. Um, and then the second thing is understanding the importance of your soft skills, right? There's some people who are not as extroverted as others or might not be able to, they might just shut down if you scream at them. So I think once you start to build hey, everybody's here for a common goal right we all want to win we want to get better we're all striving for to be in the top team right everybody has that common goal so you for the most part you maintain a, a similar communication throughout but it's sort of controlling your controlling yourself and your emotions to deliver in the right moment right because for example when a glass smashes in a kitchen and you don't see it it initially causes shock because it's something that doesn't usually happen so if you're on a coaching field and you're constantly screaming after a while it just tunes out or if you're constantly blowing your whistle after a while it tunes out right so that's where you have to it's all about your delivery when is the right moment to step in and say and demand something when is the right moment to pull someone aside and have a conversation to develop them right so that's where and again i am I am probably very much here comparing it. Jordan, I've worked with Jordan a lot over the past year, and the guy is very good at when is the moment to deliver the key message, right? So a lot of learning from me from him, but that's one of the biggest things I've learned is 
how to control the emotion and the delivery in the right moment to get your message across. Because if, if it's one thing all the time, then it's just going to, after a while, it's going to tune out, right? So that was kind of the last question I had of stuff that I prepared and whatnot. But I did have some questions from the outside of asking people, hey, submit some questions. Um, one of these is really, really long. The other one is super duper short. So we're going to start with the one that is super short. Um, I don't, this one is very straightforward, but there was no explanation to it. Um, the question is just simply why take with that as you will. (laughs) Why questions for Mikey Hannon? Is that what is that what the why is? I don't I don't think so. They they said why? Please ask him that. Who is it from? <laughs> uh, someone who was in our Discord. It it was a it was very random. I I'm gonna maybe spin it to why do you love what you do? But it was just simply why. <laughs> yeah, let, let, we'll take the positive approach in it. It could be another interpretation of it um but i mean listen i in terms of why i'm in the environment is i live and breathe the game it's sort of part of my my dna um growing up with the game if i'm not on the field playing or if i'm not on the street playing i'm watching it on the television right um and it's something that i inherit and i sort of wanted to strive through and and get better and and continue to do it so it's most of the parties for the love of the game so I mean, yeah, that that's I didn't know that's where best, this was. That's a that's the best as I can do for a question that just says why. So <laughs> I'm sorry if I failed in that in that question. I don't know what the answer was supposed to be. It was I don't even know what the question truly is. I mean, I understand what why means, but I don't know what we're questioning, but you know, it is what it is. Um, the next question, it's a pretty long one, and I might break it up into some different sections. Um you're working with with people who are close to being drafted, like you mentioned, you know, if they're around being drafted into uh, the MLS or being signed to, you know, either in the U.S. or abroad. And the question is, what impact do you think MLS Next will have on the USL2? For so many players, uh, Pipeline has always been USL League 2 to League 1 to the championships MLS. Um, there were, they threw some stats in here of 83 of the U.S. internationals were former USL League Two players. Um, so many super draft players were also League Two players. 61 players in the 2019 draft were played in the USL League Two, 81% of them. Do you, what impact do you think MLS Next will have on USL League Two? And if it does have an impact do you think the quality will just come through league two anyways i don't think it's going to have too much of an impact because of the size of the country right um will there possibly be some disparity in terms of level maybe but in hindsight there's so many colleges there's so many programs, there's so many people who reach out to you that it's not really going to affect anything. I think even just speaking from our experience last year, there were guys who were good college players that were playing within the Quakes U23 program, right? And we still had a bunch of guys playing within our program. Um, And another reality is when these players come back, if they've already played with the Quakes, they have that homegrown opportunity. So even if we wanted them and the Quakes say we want them, what can you do? Um, so to answer the question in short, I don't think it's going to be too much of an issue just due to the, the mass size of, of everything. I think if you said it's going to happen in Swansea and you got all these teams and it might be a bit of an issue because Swansea is the same size as San Jose. Um, but uh I don't think it's going to be an issue. There's there's so much quality within the USL too. Um, I know the San Francisco teams have a lot of quality, and I believe Jimmy is still at San Francisco Glens. Um, so a lot of people are going to want to play there. Um, Marin have just come into the picture, and I know they have a lot of great leadership over there. 
um, so they are not going to struggle. There's so many different people. Davis Legacy has just come in who have just been on a great run um, in the UPSL. And again, good leadership, fantastic facilities. So all these programs around are doing great job. And um, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be too much of an issue. Something I meant to ask earlier, but this reminded me of it. When you are working with young players, many of which who are looking at going to college mm-hmm. or university or whatever of the sort, do you guys help out with that process? Do you help with trying to get those kids recruited? Do you help them make decisions of like, I know this coach, I know he'll treat you like this, or is it truly like, hey, this is for you and your legal guardian. This is your life. You make the choice on your own. Yeah, we don't necessarily, I won't say we don't help because that would be wrong. My, my way I would say it is for the most part, the young kids that come into our program, the young players are already a part of a club environment that is for the most part, a truly high level, right? Now, these clubs have directors, they have collegiate pathway directors or whatever title people give themselves these days, right? Um, So they usually help them. Now, if a player comes to us and says, hey, what do you think of my level? Where do you think you see me? Or what do you think of this college? Or have you got any feedback? We are... We are open to having a conversation with them and giving them an opinion and and making sure that it's not um, detrimental to anybody on the outside because we don't want to do that, right? Um, So all we can say is, this is our thoughts on it. This is this. You take that feedback. You do what it is with that feedback, right? Um, So, and again, it's only been the first year. Like we have a player who is committed to San Diego State, who was El Salvador national team and played with us as well. Um, so he's going to college, right? And, and that's a tough thing. It's That's probably one of the biggest challenges within U.S. soccer that USL is a great platform for it, is trying to change that. Can we produce players for the USL and potentially go beyond without the collegiate option? But unfortunately, like many parents tell me in the Bay Area, my kid can make more money as an engineer than they can as a, a soccer player. Yeah, you can. But what, what drives you, right? What makes you get up in the morning? What's your passion? What are you passionate about? And everybody has different avenues and different pathways. And for me, if people choose a soccer pathway, that's great. How can we help you, right? Um, but Jordan's very big on it's okay to choose the college pathway because we hope you go to college and then filter back into our system because it is good to have an education behind you as well, right? Um, so we're very supportive of, do you want to go pro? Do you want to go to school? Do you want to go community college and still play and then go to school? Because one of our first team players is doing college at the moment. So we're very supportive of every avenue. And when people ask for help, we will provide help. But do we go out of our way and say, Hey, this is, you do this, this, and this. No, because we would be stepping on the toes of the clubs because that's what part of what they what they provide right all right i mean that was a phenomenal answer and then i've learned a lot about you guys eh? but also just kind of how almost these usl academy slash just general academy stuff works i didn't really understand you know so i've learned a whole lot and i hope everybody who's listening has as well i am going i'm just going to give you one last question before i let you go And it is, I want you to give me your 60-second elevator pitch of why should we, why should I, a young recruit, um, let's assume I am good, um, should join Project uh, 510. Why they should join Project 510? Well, again, one, it's been a part of a fantastic organization that can support you in many avenues of life, right? We can provide professional soccer opportunities, but as you know, there's more to life outside of soccer. So we can support you as one of our first team player has podcasts, open cafes, etc. We have avenues to support you outside of soccer, not just on the field. Um, another thing is you don't have to leave your local environment. So you can stay in your local environment while we provide you opportunities 
to have that professional exposure. If you want to go to an MLS tournament, go to an MLS tournament because we have the best of both worlds, right? And then it's just the, the quality of staff. Jordan Federal, technical director, head coach of Project uh, Oakland Roots last year. He's at every training session with myself. Um, fantastic staff. And again, opportunities to play within the first team environment. So a professional pathway, if you want that, we're a great environment for that. If you want a collegiate pathway, you can still do that while getting professional training. So yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I'm sold. And you didn't even have to sell the fact that you guys have a Puma uh, <laughs> partnership either. I'm, I'm sold on joining the team. I, I forgot about the Puma. I, I tried to avoid, <laughs> try to avoid the clothing. I tried to avoid the clothing. You but, just throw, throw it in there at the last little thing. Of, last, oh, and, we yeah. got, and we got uniforms. By the way, we look awesome. Um, <laughs> And I've, that's kind of the the Oregon Ducks route, I guess, for everybody who watches college football, I guess. Um, uh, Coach Mikey, that was awesome. I've had a great time. Um, for people who are listening or watching right now, um, there's ways to support Project uh, 50 or 510. Um, mm-hmm. There's If you're in the Oakland area, there's memberships that you can get through the roots and some of the, and you can go watch uh, 510 in person for free if you are a part of that membership. Um, if you look on the USL show Twitter, we just retweeted something from the roots, which was a really cool shirt um, that had the project 510 right on the front, white design. I'm wearing it underneath you. I'm, as soon as I get off this call, I'm going to go buy one because as soon as I saw it, I loved it. So, you know, there's lots of ways to support uh, support the project. Um, any places that that I did not mention that we can support the support the project as well? Yeah, I think it's just in your in your standard locations, right? It's if you follow Instagram, Twitter, Facebook is usually the the main streams of where you can follow the Oakland Roots for the first team um, and get to their games and show support there. Um, also the best thing again is outside of soccer they, they show a lot of downtown events or a lot of community aspects that everybody can can support or social justice events that people can donate to and, and so we can try and continue to better the community um, and then for 510 it's the same thing it's free to watch us so you don't have to pay so if you turn up and you don't like it you're always free to leave without losing <laughs> money but hopefully you stay but yeah, we, we play most of our games at, at Merritt College on a Sunday. Um, so we would love everybody to show up and uh, see hopefully the, the future of uh, Oakland Roots. Well, again, thank you. Like I said, I'm going to go order that T-shirt right now because it's very nice. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching to this. Uh, thank you again, uh, Mr. Mikey. Hannon, not a Cardiff City supporter. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate your time. Thanks.